Hello everyone. My name is Susan Lamarco and I'm the Executive Officer of the School Library Association of Victoria. Welcome to SLAB's fourth reading forum for 2023 on the topic of book clubs. I'd like to formally and respectfully begin the event by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I am today, the Wurundjeri Willam people, one of the five tribes of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of this land. I would also like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and those with us here today and specifically acknowledge the important role of story in the history and the lives of the traditional owners of this land. So we have a very full and exciting program of speakers this afternoon. Currently, I'm missing my first speaker, so we might massage everything slightly and see how we go. I'll proceed and let's hope we can make this all work out. So this event has been created as a webinar, so only the presenters will be on the screen. Attendees cannot turn on their cameras or their microphones. Um, we'd ask that you please write any questions in the chat uh, and we will address them when we can, either during the session or towards the end of each speaker. We are recording this forum and we'll make a link available to all participants. We will also be creating an audio version for our SLAB podcast channel. We have created a Padlet for this session and encourage all participants to add items on our topic to this space, uh, speakers and uh, participants alike. I will put the link in the chat to remind you of the Padlet link, but it was also on all of your emails that came out earlier. So I would like to apologise um, to everyone as due to family uh, commitments in relation to illness and other issues. Uh, two of our presenters, the fantastic Karis McEwen and Ty Katana are unable to join us. Uh, both are very apologetic and we send them both our best wishes. Uh, but we are lucky to have so many great speakers here this afternoon um, and we hope that uh, hopefully the missing people uh, won't disrupt us too much. I will, I do assure you, I will make sure that Karis uh, joins us on another another occasion to share the information about her writing clubs or possibly we'll get her to write for one of the journals. Um, I'll replace Ty in that segment as we were both going to um, speak together. So just let me check that we haven't been joined by Christine and I'm just going to check that she's not hovering amongst the attendees where she should not be. No, does not seem to be the case. So what I'm what we're going to do then is alter the problem pro, uh, alter the order and hope that Christine Peters, who's going to talk to us about the big summer read, um, is able to join us later on. So we will go to our second speaker in our lineup. We were going to hear about primary and parent book clubs from Susan O'Malley. Susan O'Malley is a former primary school teacher librarian. She is the co-convener of the Latrobe Valley branch of SLAV, and she is also a co-opted extraordinary member of SLAV's Committee of Management. And, oh, and here's Christine. Well, let's reverse the order Hi. because I think- it... I'm here. <laughs> you are here. I was just, I'm so sorry, I was just having trouble getting in. Oh, I, kept on, um, I kept on putting the, the wrong password in, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, well, will we go with our correct, do you, would you rather have a breath and I'll let Susan go first and then come back to you or what would you like to do? I'm happy to go. I'm ready to You're go. You're happy to yeah. go. Okay, we'll go back to the original order. Sorry. 
take two, everybody. Our first speaker this afternoon is Christine Peters. Christine is a project officer with Public Libraries Victoria, and she's going to share with us today uh, some information about the Big Summer Read. We are so glad you made it in, Christine. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. It's great to be here. Can you all see my screen? Yes, we can. Fantastic. So I'm here to talk about the Big Summer Read, and I'm hoping that it's the buzz of the school libraries. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard about it yet, but if you haven't, you're about to, to hear about this wonderful um, campaign that we are running. This is uh, Public Libraries Victoria. Um, we're very, very, very keen to get um, schools involved and particularly our lovely and wonderful school librarians. So I'm so pleased to be able to um, come here and talk to you about it. So the Big Summer Read is uh, obviously a summer reading program. Um, it's a statewide initiative and we are running it this time for the third year, I believe. We have a brand new design this year, which we very, very, very proud of and very happy to have such a beautiful design. So I am just going to grab my notes. Hang on a minute. Through. Okay, so obviously um, reading for pleasure is one of the big things um, with this campaign um, and summer reading programs have been around in public libraries for many, many years. Uh, public libraries, we've done it well and we've done it not so well. Um, we've participated in programs that were handed down to us by state libraries and we've also cobbled together our own um, in various uh, local level uh, with limited funding and resources. Um, but what we haven't had here in Victoria for some time is a concerted effort to get together and do this for everybody. Uh, but what we do have is a very active and engaged children's and youth special interest group um, at Public Libraries Victoria, who are basically a, a brain trust and a think tank of incredible youth librarians who love to share work with each other and love to provide um, informed and evidence-based programs and services for our communities. So a statewide summer reading program uh, was created by us for all Victorian children, seemed like a logical step for us to take next. Um, at least our executives and our managers um, thought so, and uh, they pitched in to help fund the first program. Uh, we asked Belinda Audio to sponsor us, and our wonderful PLV CEO managed to secure some funding, and we were off and running. So we formed a working group and one of the things we discovered was that some services were spending lots on a summer reading program and then others simply couldn't afford to do it at all. Um, there's a public library in every single municipality of our state. Um, so at the heart of our program is the impetus to provide the resources our public libraries need to get kids reading over summer and to support that at a local level. The summer slide. So I'm more than likely preaching to the choir here, but if you're getting lots of nods, that's good. Um, so what is the big deal about getting kids to read in the summer holidays? I'm sure um, that you guys also believe in summer reading programs um, that to encourage kids to read over summer for pleasure. Uh, we know the benefits of reading for pleasure for adults as well, which includes increasing empathy and understanding of others, um, a reduction in depression and benefits for overall personal well-being. 
Research shows that students who read for pleasure make significantly more progress in vocabulary, spelling and maths than children who read very little. And reading, reading for pleasure has been found to be more important for children's cognitive development between the ages of 10 and 16 than their parents' level of education. And children who express a positive attitude towards reading and who are motivated to read outside of school achieves, achieve higher scores on reading assessment. And that's where we, we're here to help with that too. So it's positive, reading for pleasure has also positively been associated with comprehension, grammar and wide vocabulary. And research suggests that kids and teens who read for pleasure show higher grades than average in not only English, but also maths and science. Reading for pleasure is also a tool for social justice and it's recognised strong indicator of future educational attainment. So yeah, we want our kids reading for pleasure. We want them reading that over summer school holidays. It's a perfect time to get this habit going. So yes, the summer slide is not as fun as this. <laughs> um, it refers to the loss of literacy skills over the summer school holidays if children don't read. And the loss is estimated on average as the equivalent to two to three months of reading proficiency. Loss of reading proficiency is most acute in um, kids from economically disadvantaged communities. And even more alarmingly, it looks as though the declining learning gains has been exasperated in the last few years by the C word, which we don't like to say, the, by the COVID lockdowns. Um, rapid literacy loss can occur during the summer break when a child has no access to books and isn't engaged with other forms of reading. So over time that gap widens and children can fall significantly behind in other areas of development. In fact, there's actually research to indicate that reading over summer can be a determining factor of whether a child will continue into tertiary education. That's why it's so important and that's why we are so into this and really wanting to encourage it. So public libraries are a lifelong reading service and we offer opportunities for social reading, for play and activities that are all linked to reading. Using the library doubles the chance of a young person enjoying reading and reading every day. We know that children who read as little as six books over summer can maintain their reading level at a, uh, maintain their reading skills at a level achieved in the preceding school year. Children mostly engage with their public library um, in the context of their family as well. So parents will often bring all the kids together and we get the opportunity to support them with free access to resources that help build a literacy rich environment at home and nurture a love of books and reading. So how we help raise literacy. So we're currently using uh, Beanstack for the Big Summer Read uh, that has digital incentives and real life prizes to motivate kids to reach their reading milestones. The, pro the platform is designed to add an element of competition in there and really encourages the kids to interact with the content. Registration is pretty easy and um, the kids really love enjoying collecting the badges, the digital badges that they get on the platform. There is a grand prize to be won and any child who registers goes in a random draw to, re to read this. So we consider registration um, engagement. So we do encourage them to read 10 books, um, the, to read 10 books over the summer and that's it. They, all they have to do is register 
read 10 books and log those books and they go in the drawer for the major prize. And even if they've just registered, we actually count those, as I said, we count that as engagement um, because they've been motivated enough to just register and go, oh, okay, reading. So it's put it in their mind anyway. Um, and we're more interested um, in the kids registering to be part of a big statewide reading thing and having fun rather than imposing onerous completion requirements, um, which I'm sure that you as teachers know that can lead some of them to focus on the goal of finishing as many books as they can at the expense of the, of the process, and that is enjoying them. All right, so last year, um, we had 11,500 children registered uh, throughout Victoria, and there were 113,000 books logged. They also collected over 10,000 literacy-based activity badges, and they wrote over 5,000 book reviews, which we still, when I, when I say that, we still think, oh my goodness, 5,000 book reviews from children across the stage is amazing, and that is genuine engagement. So the program runs from the 1st of December through to the 31st of January, and pre-registration uh, for our program will be opening on the 6th of November, so it's not far away. So kids and families can um, can pre-register, and then the the um, actual competition or the actual challenge starts on the 1st of December. So here's all of our merch, all of our promotional material. Let's have a bit of a look at that. So this is the way that we are, um, this is the way that we, uh, we, we support the public libraries by sending out a lot of this stuff. Every public library um, will receive A2 and A3 posters and the bookmarks and the reading journal. So the reading journal is a supplement to Beanstack and we do that for accessibility purposes as well. So there may be some parents that don't want their kids to register on a mobile device or on, on, a, on a computer, um, they're actually able to just use a paper form as well, um, but they do need to register on Beanstack in order to go into the grand prize. Um, there will be some library services and, and quite a few library services actually also run their own local competition around the Big Summer Read as well. So sometimes they will use that reading journal and ask the kids to bring it back and then they will offer um, local prizes as well. So on the back of the reading journal, we've, we've got lots of um, literacy activities for them to do as well, which is great, great way to kind of just keep them engaged in that. One of, them, one of the things is to um, post on our social media platforms or tag um, Public Libraries Victoria or the Big Summer Read. And we got last year, we got lots of videos from kids doing the activities and they just love it. Um, and posting them on social media, it was fantastic. Lots of smiling faces, it was just great. So this year we also have Storybox Library on board. They're supporting us um, in kind which is just wonderful. They have um, got Sean Zepps on to promote the program. Um, Sean is going to be reading a couple of books over the summer. The, the promotion actually with Storybox Library actually started today. Um, so you should, if you are, if you follow Storybox Library on social media, you'll start seeing the big summer read out and about at the moment. Um, so it's wonderful to have them on board because they're really going to take it to the next level, which is just fantastic. Their videos are so, so well produced, so professional, and it's just wonderful to see 
um, the enthusiasm um, for them. I mean, they're a business and they're going to get at things out of it as well, but the enthusiasm for them to support um, to support kids reading over summer, which is what it's all about. Uh, the prizes will be coming from James Bennett. They've donated book packs um, in these age brackets. So children, uh, anybody from the age of zero to 18 is eligible to enter the competition. Um, and then we break it down into these age groups for the prizes. So they'll be receiving brand new books, uh, book packs in those age brackets. So the school tour. So we are, this is the main thing that we do with this lab. Um, and this is, this is just some photos from our last year's school tour. We went to Geelong and Braybrook and Springvale and Traralgon and Maryborough. It was a whirlwind tour. Um, it was a great opportunity to get out there. Stig Weems is a fantastic ambassador. He's just a firecracker <laughs> and he really revs the kids up, which is fantastic and really, really start, really great way to promote um, reading over summer. And this, um, the school tours are sponsored by Box as well, which is, which is very, very generous of them. We will be starting our school tours um, again this year. We've actually had quite an overwhelming response. Um, Thank you, Susan, for putting the word out in the EOI. So we, uh, I can't really tell you too much yet because we're just in the, in, the, in the midst of planning for that. But it looks like we are actually full this year. Um, but uh, you may have one coming to your school. Um, just keep an eye out on um, the communications about that in the next, literally the next week. Um, but if you have any other questions, just if you don't have a school tour coming, that's that's absolutely fine. You can still, if you would still like some collateral, if you would still like ways to promote the competition, the challenge um, in your school library, in your school community, you can certainly reach out to me. There's more information on our project page at plv.org.au. And um, I am the project officer, so you can certainly come to me. And um, if there's anything that you need or anything I can help you with in order to promote the program to your to your school communities um, and get families involved and direct them to their public library, um, we would be very, very grateful. And we'll get the kids back to you next year with their reading levels set to go. <laughs> and that's all from me. Thanks, Christine. That's fantastic. It's a wonderful initiative, and uh, Slava really excited to be involved in it too wonderful with you. To have you guys, yeah, it is wonderful. Right. Excellent. We will we will charge ahead. If anyone has any questions of Christine, you could certainly pop them in the chat. Yep. Um, and that's great. Would that you mind? Sorry. I'll pop my email address in the chat as well. Is that what you were going to say? Please, absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, or And you can pop anything on the Padlet as well too, please, Christine. That'd be great. Yeah, no worries. Okay, we're now going to hear, we're now back to our proper order and we're going to hear about primary and parent book clubs from Susan O'Malley. As I said before, I'm going to introduce her again. Susan is a former primary school teacher librarian and the co-convener of the Latrobe Valley branch of SLAB. And she is a wonderful co-opted extraordinary member of SLAB's Committee of Management. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for being so accommodating, moving you around. <laughs> Not a problem at all, Susan. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to share today. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, it's lovely to see so many people here. 
So to start with full disclosure, I love book clubs. In fact, I adore them. Uh, at the moment, I'm a member of three different groups. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes the commitment to reading that many books can be a little bit demanding, but I love it anyway. Um, particularly the opportunity to read books selected by other group members that I might not have chosen myself. Um, as a little aside before I start, one of those book clubs is an online group run in collaboration between the Faculty of Arts at the University of Melbourne and the State Library called 10 Great Books. It's probably a bit more academic than the usual book club and as a member you're given extra background reading, a masterclass by an academic and an online discussion with that same person. I've loved that this year, but sadly, the offer is being discontinued. Um, but I think the structure would lend itself to perhaps a secondary school setting where you've got really enthusiastic readers. I have put a link to the list of all of the books studied in this group over the past 10 years on the Padlet. I, it might just be an interesting resource for any book club. So I'm going to share some thoughts on a few book clubs that I've established um, at schools. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you have set up book clubs within school as part of library classes, but today I want to talk about some that have ex existed outside of class times and uh, sometimes members not limited to just the one class. So the first one was one we called Library Lunch Book Club. Uh, the process, setup process was very simple. I talked about the idea of book clubs in all the classes for year levels four to six and asked them for an expression of interest. And then I called it once I'd spoken to all the classes, I called a meeting of all of the students and I would outline the expectations and the procedures. I'd emphasize that the book club was for them and that I would be present, but I would leave selecting the books and running the meeting up to them. Uh, some years we had two groups, but usually just one group of about six to eight students. I'd give them a selection of books for which we had multiple titles and they would choose one. I'd help them source audio books, particularly for those students who wanted to be in the group, but might've struggled to read the selected books independently. Uh, I did find choosing the title was sometimes a tricky process where we had to accommodate different tastes, including the length of the books. And also sometimes you'd have kids that had already read one and didn't want to reread it. So that, that did sometimes cause a few issues, but we usually managed it. Uh, once the book club was well established, I did give them a small budget and allowed them to choose books from the Scholastic catalogue. And they just loved having that independence, that, that choice. So each week the kids would set how far they were going to read in the week to come. We found setting a page number was better than uh, setting a chapter because someone would interpret that as reading to the end of that chapter and others to reading to the beginning of that chapter. So a page worked better. That set point was the only point of contention among members of groups because sometimes children just could not stop at the, the nominated page and wanted to keep reading, which of course potentially led to spoilers. Um, I never really found a way to prevent this, but I would always mention it at the beginning and talk about, you know, being fair and being part of the group. So at the first few meetings of the new group, I'd set them three questions. 
they were, what did you like about what you've just read? What didn't you like about what you've just read? And what is puzzling you right now? I found these to be really helpful questions that gave the students space to talk freely about what appealed to them, but also it gave them a safe place to clarify elements of the plot that they didn't understand. And so it facilitated comprehension as well as the motivation to keep reading. Uh, in this way, there was accommodation for a range of reading abilities in the one, one group. Once the students were running the meetings themselves, they would also discuss things like, you know, which of the characters they like and what they thought would happen next. I always provided a plate of biscuits and a jug of water and drinking glasses, and they loved that small contribution. In fact, I know that it was the factor that attracted some members to the group. But once they were there, they were expected to take part in the discussion or at least listen. So by about turn three, the groups would be well established and would often run independently of me, although I'd always drop into their meeting even for just a few minutes. And I also found myself having incidental and excited conversations about the current book with individual members just at other times during the week when I bumped into them in the library or out in the playground, which was always really exciting and rewarding. Uh, and then I found students wanted to come back in the following years and they'd make sure they brought their friends and they and some of them also made sure their siblings came along once they were old enough to join in. So that was also a really rewarding part of these groups. The beauty of these groups was that I was unapologetically catering for students who loved reading. They wanted to read and they wanted to be part of the group. I didn't have to find ways to keep up their interest or encourage non-readers. Um, during the lockdown in 2021, I ran a version of the book club online, also during lunchtime. This was, was successful, but uh, only up to a point because online timetables were messy. Um, and some teachers ran classes during the usual school lunch time and sometimes students forgot to join the meeting. But for the few members who attended regularly, it was an important point of connection during that time of isolation. And they'd bring their own biscuits and water or lunch to the meeting. Uh, so just moving on to uh, just a small group um, and speaking of lockdown, again, during 2020, uh, when we were feeling so bewildered and alone with our exhaustion, our wonderful head of libraries at St Paul's where I was working established an informal book club and she called it Biblio Balm. That name explains its purpose. <laughs> we met on an irregular basis, maybe six or seven times that year to chat and to share what we've been reading. Uh, personally, I found that fog of planning and creating online content and supporting students at home and at school and the never-ending learning about new technologies really confronting and tiring that year. And these online chats, meeting is probably too formal a word for it, were a way of seeking connection and of finding common ground in something other than online learning. And that for me is the beauty of books and book clubs. It did mean yet more screen time, I found myself really looking forward to these chats and I, I found myself even choosing my own reading based on what I knew others in the group had read or perhaps what I thought they might like to hear about, which was really a, a really interesting reflection of the time. 
we only met two or three times during 2021. I think the urgency of our need wasn't as strong by that time. Um, and as I said before, I just loved that name. It just balmed my soul so beautifully through reading and connecting with others. Okay, so the next group that I've been part of was a parent-child book club that I ran outside school hours. Now, um, I'm guessing that many of you know of Megan Daly, the sort of celebrity teacher librarian who I admire hugely. Uh, she's got blogs and podcasts and books to her name. Megan has a product on her website called Build a Book Club which inspired me to establish a parent and child book club. Um, this is a product which she sells. So I can't give you any of the content, but I will give you a broad brush picture of what she offers and how I used it. Her course is made up of uh, six modules, which include things like thoughts on setting up a book club, pro forma letters to distribute to families, lists of books by genre, author recommendation and diversity, a discussion on ebooks and audiobooks, and most importantly, recipe ideas. Um, using Megan's ideas as a bunch of resources, I talked to the year six students about a new book club, and those who were interested took a letter for their parents. I uh, also contacted families via the school portal. So from a total of 45 students in year six that year, I received positive interest from four students and their parents. Now I know that seems really small, but I, I, th I thought it was a really good start. It resulted in a group of nine, including me. In her resources, Megan uh, emphasizes the important role played by the inclusion of food in any book club. So I invited the interested people to join me for an evening meal in the school library. So this is what I mean when it was totally outside of school and um, library time. So I made a very simple meal of soup, bread and fruit with orange juice, tea and coffee. And over the meal, the nine of us chatted, we got to know each other a little bit more, and we all shared something that we'd recently read and liked. I also asked them about their expectations and what they'd like to read. I already knew the students, so I had a little bit of an idea of what they liked, and I put a small selection of books before them, but encouraged them to make their own suggestions. So the books I suggested were A Waltz for Matilda by Jackie French, um, Nevermore by Jack, Jessica Townsend and Becoming by Michelle Obama. They decided on Matilda as it seemed to appeal to everyone the most. And one of the mothers um, is from Syria and she wanted the opportunity to read in English and was also pleased with the idea of learning more about Australia in the process. So we arranged for everyone to access support copies. We sort of had to look at various different libraries, school and otherwise. Um, some people bought new copies and we gave ourselves about six weeks to read the book. And then the second meeting, again, food was a, a, a central point. We all brought food to share and Aaliyah, the um, Syrian lady, brought some Syrian food, which was a really lovely touch. Everyone enjoyed reading that book. And we left the discussion very open. I made it, gave it no structure at all, apart from making sure all the members had an opportunity to share their thoughts and to respond to the thoughts of others. 
Um, and we again shared a little bit about um, some of the book that we might have enjoyed reading recently. We met two more times during the year, including an end of year Christmas meal where we once again shared food we'd all prepared. We chose books from my suggestions and that of the book club members. We also continued to talk about other books we'd read and gave recommendations. Uh, it was, I was so pleased with the success of this group. While the numbers were continued to be quite small, although they were very, everybody that was part of the group came every time. And the fantastic thing was to see genuine friendships between the students and their parents. Uh, in particular, Alia was so positive about the opportunity it gave her to strengthen her English and to learn about Australia, as well as making friends among the other parents. Um, some of the members read their way all through the Matilda series after reading the first one. Now, I confess preparing for the meetings did create a little bit of extra work for me, but I just loved it so much myself. I had no resentment about that at all. It was it had been my idea all along and that, that it was what I wanted to do. Um, now, at the end of that year, the members were really keen to continue the group. But it actually coincided with my retirement and Alia moved to Canberra and unfortunately the group did fall away. Nevertheless, I know that that model works and I felt rewarded by the experience uh, and I definitely would have repeated the process if I had was still working. So next, I'd like to share about a community book club which has some similarities to the one I've just mentioned. But this one I started back uh, a bit over 10 years ago. Um, the school was introducing a resilience program and as part of the program, the staff were asked to consider how we might as individuals contribute to the building of a school community. Um, and I, I struck on the idea of a parent-teacher book club. So I just put an expression of interest in the school newsletter. I had about 12 teachers and parents uh, from all different backgrounds and interests respond. And our first few meetings we had in the afternoons in the school library. Very simply, and this is pretty standard book club stuff, we took it in turns to select a book and we'd all read the same book and then we discussed to meet, meet to discuss that book. Um, we didn't meet on a regular basis, uh, more that at the end of each meeting, uh, someone would choose the next title and then we'd find a time that suited everyone. So rather than, you know, the third Monday of the month or whatever, we just met. And so it could be, it might be four weeks, it might be six weeks, it might sometimes be eight weeks between meetings. Um, now, the, the, the key, key part of this group was very early on, one of the members suggested a protocol that she had used at another book club for discussion, which we still use. So it goes like this, each member is given, not strictly, but they're given two minutes to talk without interruption. We always start with the person who chose the book and they include their reasons for choosing the book. Um, then there's time for more general discussion, finning, and we finish with giving the book a score, which we found to be a really interesting way to compare books. We've kept a record of all the books we've read, including a brief outline of each member's opinions. And as an aside, in later years, we've kept a record of the wine we've drunk because we soon started meeting in the evenings at, at members' houses. Um, 
And another point of interest for me is that we've ended up with male members in this group, which I, I may be wrong, but my experience is that book clubs tend to be a female domain, but we've got three uh, male members in this group as well. So that's great. Anyway, the scoring goes like this. You, we give the book a score out of three for enjoyability. We don't allow half marks. We give the discussion a score out of three. And we also score, would you read another book by the same author, also out of three. And those scores are totaled and averaged. So that it just gives you a bit of a, a comparison point. Um, and the last thing we do is just pose the question, would you reread the book, yes or no? So if you're, you might be interested, some of our top scoring over the books, uh, books over the years have been um, Jasper Jones by Craig Sylvie, Pereira Maintains by Antonio Tabucci, All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dorr, Birdsong by Sebastian Falks, uh, Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan and Salt Creek by Lucy Trelaw. Um, so once again, of course, the highlight of this book club is not just the books, but it's sharing food. The membership has changed a bit over the years, although some of the original members are there. And for the majority, they are still people connected with that original school. Um, now, and even though this is a community group for adults, I believe that there are elements, particularly the protocol for running the meeting and the scoring system that would work really well in a school setting. So just in conclusion, in my opinion, book clubs thrive on three things, uh, differing opinions that lead to interesting discussions and or heated arguments. Some of the books in this book, the, the last book club that I've talked about that have scored best have been those where we have had differing opinions on a book and that's led to better discussion. If everybody agrees, it's just, oh yeah, everyone agrees, you know, yes, not nod, but the discussion isn't as interesting. Um, so that's number one. Number two, opportunities to develop lasting friendships based on those discussions and disagreements. And number three, sharing good food. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you very much. Um, just so many great ideas. Uh, really appreciate you sharing all of your different experiences. Um, I would love to see a correlation between the wine that was drunk and the scores that you gave, whether the wine <laughs> drinking affects the scores. But that's an, that's another story. We'll leave that. And Actually, one thing, one yes. thing on the wine I will mention is the time we read Cloud Cuckoo Land, the person who was sourcing wine found a wine called Cloud Cuckoo Land. So. <laughs> <laughs> extra marks. They get extra yes. marks, don't they? They that's get extra right. points. Thank you. That was fantastic. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to take us through all of that, Susan. Really, really wonderful. Um, and we'll, we're going to charge ahead. If anyone has any questions of Susan, please do place them in the chat and I'm sure she'll be able to answer them for you. Um, now, actually, next up is uh, is meant to be Ty and I talking about the book club, but I'm on my own. Um, so I'm going to just say a few things about the Slave Online Book Club. And I am going to, if I can find my slide, share some slides. Oh, here we are. Um, 
And can someone else tell me if you can see that? I can see it, Susan. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm, it's not me now. I'm, um, so I'll just um, go to the beginning. So I, I, I would expect that most of you that are here this afternoon do are aware of the Slab Online Book Club, but I think it is um, certainly relevant to mention it here today because um, it has a, a, a great application, I think, to what we do in schools from a variety of reasons. So just so you're all aware, um, Book Club actually started in June of 2020. Um, as a slab initiative and in response to the COVID lockdowns. And it was decided that it was a great way of um, helping people that were certainly working from home and had didn't have much opportunity to connect with colleagues um, and, and would give us something that we could um, you know, sink our teeth into and feel like we were still exploring texts and um, improving our knowledge. It is for slab members only and is a benefit of membership. It meets twice a term. It currently has 293 people listed as members of the club. Um, and we, we usually get between 30 and 50 people turn up to each meeting. It's evolved a structure over the years where we have a couple of guests that support us and um, enrich the conversation and keep us moving along. Um, Ty has been there with myself from the very beginning. And at the start, she was actually uh, then working at readings and she's gone on to be in other roles, but she is there as a bit of a consultant really and, a, and someone with a long-standing expertise in children's and YA literature, uh, having experience as a bookseller and a publisher and in publishing really, in marketing for publishing. Um, so Ty is there with myself and recently, this year in 2023, we've been joined by Jenny Keeley from the Sun Bookshop who um, has uh, helped us with new releases and uh, keeping us up to date with what's newly being published. The book club has, um, from the very beginning, always had a genre uh, generally a genre focus. So unlike most book clubs uh, that we've been talking about where you read uh, a book alike, uh, uh, you all read the same book, we're really looking at sharing our knowledge of a genre. We have also looked at format, we've done things like graphic novels, and we've also looked at um, strategies around supporting our students in their reading exploration. So people have been sharing their strategies. And our most, most recent meeting was actually on promotional tactics, and it was fantastic, some wonderful ideas. During the meeting, we make a list of everything that is mentioned, and they are then uh, made in that list is then made into a blog post. I have put links to the blog on the Padlet, uh, so that's called Slab Connects. Um, and I've also put a link to Book Club if any of you that aren't members want to join. And in the last 10 minutes, we actually uh, look at adult recommendations, reading for ourselves, things that we, you know, we might like to read um, for ourselves rather than what we're reading for our students. Oh, where am I going? Sorry, I need to change my slides and it doesn't want to do it. Oh, there we are. Um, these are the, the, the topics we've done over the last four years. So you can see it's quite expansive. And so there's now on the blog a list for each of these headings of the books recommended by the group. And it's quite long and extensive. So if you are looking to support a wider reading program or a book club, this would be a great place to begin for looking for, uh, you know, if you want a genre focus or you're looking for suggestions, a great place to start. Um, 
currently they're all on that blog, but we are looking at um, transitioning all of this material onto a purpose-built website so that they'll be much easier for you to find because now you have to look through the various blog posts to find them all. Um, and that's, you know, not as uh, not as wonderful as you might expect. But we've covered lots of really great topics and had some fantastic conversations. Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting place for people to come along and share their views. Um, this is what the blog posts look like. Um, and um, as I said, you can go to that Slav Connects blog and, and search through and you'll find each of them. That's the one for earlier in the year for graphic novels. And I thought it was just worth reflecting on how the Slav Online Book Club um, could perhaps be considered a model for practice in a school. I think this topic-based approach or genre-based approach is actually certainly something that you could do with students. And in my own experience, um, when I was in a school, I did do this on occasion, uh, particularly if you've got students that are very focused, you know you, how you get a book club together and they're all fantasy fans or, or they're all murder mystery fans. It really, um, I think, is very affirming for them to be able to come along to the group and actually share their own knowledge. Um, and I think so you can actually have a genre focused discussion where they all share their favourites in, in that particular genre. But you need to know the students or the members of the book club really well so that you, um, you know, choose the right genre. You can't really choose a genre where they have no knowledge or no experience. So once you know that they have a particular um, bent, you can uh, go that way. But if you have a couple of students that are really keen on a particular area, they could share their expertise and it's really wonderful for them to have their expertise recognised um, and, and hopefully encourage other members of the book club to try that genre. So I think there are a number of ways you can go about that. You can also then get that group to produce a list of recommendations for their own school community and I've done this too. So they could create a list of fantasy for year seven or fantasy for year 10 um, and then that could be made into a bookmark or a list and put on the website, a blog, whatever happens to be. Um, and so I think that's a great way of making the book club feel like they're sharing with their community and having their knowledge and their experience recognised. So I think that's kind of how the book club works for SLAV and I can see how you can do that within a school as well. And I think the other thing that it does is uh, what I put down in the bottom corner there is it really offers a place where our members and all of you can come along and learn from each other, can share um, if you have knowledge of that particular genre, but also listen in on a genre that you may not have read. Uh, we, we can't all read everything, it's absolutely impossible. So the book club I think often really helps people to broaden their knowledge and um, let them hear about titles that their colleagues in other schools are reading and they can ask questions of them throughout the book club through the chat and on the screen if they wish to. Um, and it really just helps to expand your knowledge. It means that when you hear a, a student mention a book, even if you haven't read it, you might have heard about it in book club and that can actually make you, uh, you know, feel like you can comment and say something about it even if, uh, even if you haven't read it. So I think it, it has uh, the book club you know, can do a lot, our own book club can do a lot to support your own exploration of book clubs in your own school. And I will end out of there and come back to you. Sorry, it's different when you're in the
whole thing. There we are. And I'm back to you. Um, so that's all I wanted to say about book club. Um, I mean, it's, it is a really valuable thing. And if you aren't a member, you don't necessarily have to always come along and join us. I mean, you may wish to, we have a lot of lurkers who come and don't say much, but just listen. And then, and then we obviously have a couple of hundred people who just like to receive the lists. So even by um, registering, at least you'll get a reminder that the blog post has gone up and you can follow us that way if you can't join us otherwise. So a very valuable thing. Okay, um, we will move along um, to our next guest speaker um, and that is going to be Barbara Cousins. And Barbara is going to describe her experience using the CBCA shadowing project for a book club. Barbara is the library manager and Victorian high ability practice leader at Cranbourne Secondary College and she's also the co-convener of the Pakenham branch of SLAV. Um, welcome Barbara. Thank you, Susan. Can we all, can you hear me? I'm always quite nervous doing this. <laughs> um, we can hear you perfectly well, and we can see your slides. Um, you just we need to put them into presenter mode. Yeah, presenter mode, because this is something that I don't have a great deal of confidence to do online. So I've got this on, and I need to present it now. Yeah, oh, you just need to go from the beginning if you like. You've got a button up there on the top left from the beginning. Yep, excellent. Yep. Oh, it did it. it I had to do it twice. Then okay. So here we are. All right, hello everyone out there. I can't see you, but um, I hope you can hear me clearly and see my slides. So um, this is something I discovered last year that the Children's Book Council of Australia invites our students to actually participate in the judging of the shortlist books. And I was so excited when I found this last year. Um, so I work in a, a secondary college, a state secondary college, and I am the library manager there. And I set up a, a book club um, actually during COVID times online, like one of our other speakers did. Um, and when we finally were able to get back on the campus, I was so excited to be able to physically meet with the students. Um, and when I discovered um, the Sun Project Shadow Judging, I thought, what a great opportunity to um, give our students a voice. So I grabbed hold of it and ran with it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience about some of the challenges that I've had and um, what I'm looking forward to doing in the future with my little group. So um, the advantages of doing this, oops, sorry, I'm just going to go back a bit, is that um, the students actually have access to um, the same criteria that the regular judges use to judge books. And you just choose one of the shortlist um, categories. So we did the older reader category and they have an opportunity to have their voices heard and really valued. Um, I felt that it gave our group um, greater purpose um, to their meetings and it took what we did outside the walls of our library, outside the walls of our school. Because when you're registered to do the shadow judging, you get connected with a greater community throughout Australia. And there's a um, special site that you get on to put your reviews and your creative responses. So it's 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 bigger than what you could ever imagine. Um, the students um, had a chance to explore books outside their regular um, genre, and that just broadened their reading experience. So it just sometimes it might have pushed them into areas they may never have thought of going into before, and discovered books that they love that they now love reading. Um, you're given an opportunity to have um, 
an author or an illustrator come to your school online or in person to help with the shadow judging. And that is a great opportunity. Um, you explore different ways to creative, creatively respond. So it's not just um, just doing reviews or discussions. It, it could be artwork, it could be craft, and I'll be showing you that later. And um, I found that it really did build up their um, ability to be able to work together, to collaborate, um, to develop their literacy, communication, their self-confidence, but most of all, um, the group that I have said that they felt a sense of belonging during this. So to get started, there is a membership fee for the C CBCA. And as I was a group facilitator, I had to join up and I joined our school up. Um, there's a registration to um, join up with um, shadow judging as well. And you'll notice in the Padlet and somewhere in this slides, in these slides, I've put down links to all of this, okay? Um, CBCO is so gracious. They paid up to $120 towards our shortlist books um, this year. I'm not too sure what um, next year's budget is, but that did help heaps. Um, we already had some copies of the books in our library and e-books, and they paid towards an author visit. Um, you have access to um, a newsletter online. Each week you get to find out what the different groups are doing in your area or actually beyond your area. And there's opportunities for like um, online training and, and literature to read and, and mentoring. Um, so just see if this is gonna work. It seems to have frozen. Here we go. Um, supporting material, um, you can look at this later. There's, you get um, an information little booklet all about it and it's got all the dates of when to register. So really it's like the end of term one when you register. Um, it starts at the beginning of term two, um, goes right through into term three, um, and near the end of term three, when you're having book week, um, make sure that you've, um, during that time, definitely got your author organised to help with um, your discussions, and um, you get to vote for your favourite book in the shortlist that you're, you're judging in your book group. And we actually have our celebration our shortlist winner is celebrated after book week, which I think makes it extra special. So um, students get to see that their voice really does count. Um, I've got here that there's discussion starters. You can look at this later where they give you little um, suggestions to start discussions in your book club. And like with SLAV, um, we get to have a wonderful opportunity to listen to um, artists and, and other um, experts talk about the shortlist books. And this is really good um, as myself being running the book club that I've got a chance to go a bit deeper in the books of the students because I've, I've got to hear a bit more about them through experts. So 2022, last year, the older readers category, they're the titles that we looked at. Um, our group um, was made up of students from year seven up to about year 11. And I remember their favourite books where it was Tiger Daughter and The Boy From Mish. And from memory, I, th I think they voted The Boy From Mish as being their favourite shortlist book at the end. Um, I'm going to move along now to show you where else we did our get-together meetings. Um, we meet at lunchtime. So lunchtime in a very busy school, it can be, it can be difficult to always meet. Um, so it's really good to have an online um, platform where 
you can discuss um, your reviews and, and share what's happening. So um, we've got a library Microsoft team for the whole school that I set up during lockdown. And we still use that today as a book club channel. And in the files there, it's where we've been sharing our reviews and our discussions. So that is very, very handy to have. Now, alongside our shadow judging in our book club, any um, special occasions that um, came our way, we also celebrated. So Wilkes Dargis, I don't know if you've had him in your school before. Um, this is just on the side here. It was a wonderful opportunity where he was visiting our area and offered us a free um, author visit. So our book club um, promoted the visit and his books. And you'll see in the background um, the hot chocolate. A lot of students come for hot chocolate in our book club. And um, we did that as well as the shadow judging. Um, and this is just the, our visit that we had of Will. And we, when we have these authors in, we invite students from outside our book club so that they can see um, all the great things that I suppose I could be missing, um, but it's just reaching out to a wider community. Now, um, this is our online um, author that we had for shadow judging, and it was Jane Godwin. So if you're considering um, doing shadow judging, she's a great author to have to visit. Um, we had her online because we meet during lunch for book club, and we have students from multiple year levels, and this was the best way to do it. But despite Jane being online, uh, the feedback I got from our members was that they loved having her to themselves, that they could hear about her craft and how she researched for her um, books that she was creating. And they could have that one-on-one -on -one session at the end, just asking questions. Um, and here's a little snapshot of how she really does unpack the narrative in a story. And it was so helpful for our book club members as they, um, you know, they discuss the books in the shortlist and as they judge them. Um, so they responded creatively a lot of the time through displays and promoting the books that we were, um, we were exploring. That's one of our displays we did last year. And at the end, you get these beautiful certificates that you get to um, download and we made, uh, we had a celebration and if you could just see some of their faces, they were so proud of being a part of this, um, this shadow judging. And this photo shows one of the girls um, just holding up her certificate. Um, some of these students have actually stepped up to become leaders this year in our school. And, and to lead as we've given out prizes for the Premier's Reading Challenge. So I, yeah, I could see that definitely um, the results of um, them, you know, growing their confidence. Now, 2024 this year. Oh, 2023, I've just realised what I've done. <laughs> Susan, 2023, I'm thinking ahead. Um, 2023 this year, we were met with some obstacles um, in that with a lot of restrictions lifting, like we had a lot of our students off doing um, excursions and um, stepping up for leadership positions. So it was really hard for us to meet on a regular basis. Um, often our library was shut um, because we have a shortage of teachers. So I'm employed as a library manager, but not as a teacher. And um, since then, I've been given permission to keep this club running no, no matter what. But so it was a bit hard just yet yeah, because we couldn't always meet. 
Um, but here are some of the good points. If you look at some of the books these students are holding, there was a greater variety of formats this year. Um, so we had a graphic no novel in Neverlanders and The Greatest Thing also was a graphic novel. A lot of our students love reading those books. And also there was a memoir, Ask No Questions. It was more like a form of poetry. So um, that de definitely got the interest of our group. And uh, you see the girl at the end, she's holding up um, a journal that was also we're able to print out for them to fill in. And I've still got to remove that 24. That's because I'm thinking ahead. I'll tell you at the end. Um, so they're the shortlist titles. Um, this is um, a sample of the reading journal. Um, and it was easy for um, students, especially the ones from the lower level of literacy in our group, to really able to pick out their likes, their dislikes, any patterns they could see in the storyline and any puzzles they had. So we use that for our discussions. And this year, um, we put together, the group put together this book week display, the theme Read, Grow, Inspire. We invited um, the school community to share about books that have inspired them. And they received house points for that. So trying to get the whole school community involved there. And our online author was Leanne Yong. Um, so gave them a choice um, and our members chose this author because um, like them she struggled a bit with her English with her reading and essay writing but she persevered and followed um, her interest area and discovered her unique voice and that resonated with with our little book club and once again we did it over lunchtime and invited extra members to in the school community to um, be a part of this and they loved all her stories about um, her interest in online gaming and, and manga, a big interest in our school. And she unpacked um, how she created her stories and um, the deeper meaning behind them. Now I'm going to move on to, this is why I've got 2024 in my mind so much. Um, due to the struggles I had um, getting our students together at lunchtime and the different literacy levels, we would like to do the shadow judging of the picture book category. And even though we are a secondary school, um, I believe that they're definitely suitable for older readers as well, because multiple um, reading abilities, abilities can access that content. So we've been doing the national simultaneous, simultaneous story time for a while, and it does um, get a lot of interest. So that's an example of I can imagine next year doing things like this um, and expanding our creative responses. And I'm going to show you some examples soon from other schools. One of our book club members loves making bookmarks. Um, so there's an example of how you can express creatively the different themes within um, one of your shortlist books. Uh, food, like one of our previous speakers mentioned before, is highly celebrated in our book club whether it be celebrating the um, birthday of an author or one of our own members. Um, our students love doing this. Uh, we love meeting together for morning teas. And this is just an example of what we did this year. Um, they love their food. And um, I'm looking at next year, um, inviting the students to think of um, different themes when it comes to morning teas. So it could be related to uh, possibly one of the books we're reading or a particular genre that they're interested in. And this can all apply to the shadow judging. 
Um, this is uh, what we did during book week. It, it was not the shortlist that we were judging, but I could, I'm looking ahead that um, you could do like a high morning tea or at lunchtime that is now book club for a book like this. And uh, My Strange Shrinking Parents, fantastic, fantastic shortlist book. Now, I've got some samples. Sorry, I'm nearly finished. No, you have a couple of minutes. Uh, thanks, oh, thank Barbara. thank you. Oh, no, I, it's my, my talk too much. No, thanks no, no. We're, we're running out of time again, as always. Thank you, Susan. Um, just a snapshot. So these are all the things you can do. So mood boards, um, a bucket list was done by a school. Design a new title. Design um, you can present to staff. Um, blackout poetry, which blended well with this book. Um, a mannequin, we want to do something like this. There's no end to what you do, can do in your book club when it comes to um, strategy judging of the shortlist. Um, survival pack for a very on-your-edge seat type book. Um, this is making 3D Spotify bookmarks. Um, we designed the front cover. A uh, diary entry, Instagram. Um, we have a craft club, knitting, drawings a book trailer and to finish it off they've asked that yes they want to keep doing this um and that they're looking forward to it next year but most of all it gives them a sense of belonging and a safe space together um so yeah that's it susan and everyone out there i've got i've shared links to the actual site itself if you want to have a look to see what's out there um and i'm just going to stop sharing at this point and there's a question in the chat, Barbara, do yeah. you mind sharing your slides to the Padlet? I think I've got them on the Padlet, actually. Ah, excellent. Oh, and there you I'm go. I'm going so... to adjust it. I've got 2024 for this year, and that's because <laughs> I keep looking ahead next year, what I want to do, the picture book. So I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that's all right. We'll let you be a year ahead. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. It was such wonderful ideas, and your group looks so happy. It's just Fantastic to see that pleasure on their faces um, with all of that great work you're doing. So thank you very much for your presentation. Sorry to hurry you. We um, would like to welcome Kelsey Peterson to the stage. Kelsey is going to discuss her band Books Club. Kelsey is a school librarian in the Irwin Centre Library for Years 7 and 8 at Brighton Grammar School. Thanks, Kelsey. Welcome. Thank you, Susan. Um, we are kind of pushed for time, so I will just be hopefully talking quickly. Um, everyone can hear me and see it? Yes, we can. Okay, and great. Please, you know, we want to hear from you. Don't worry too much. We can go okay. a few minutes over. Okay. Um, so as Susan mentioned, I'm Kelsey Peterson and I'm one of the school librarians at Brighton Grammar School in Melbourne. Um, I thought I would mention in case you don't already know that Brighton Grammar is an all boys school, um, just because I know one of our other presenters mentioned that sometimes boys aren't very interested in books in book clubs. Um, we actually have quite a few that run our school very successfully. And the one I'm gonna talk to you about is the newest, which is our banned books club, which is almost exactly one year old. So you're probably aware that in recent years, there's been an increasing number of book challenges in various places around the world. And many of these have resulted in books being banned and removed from public and school library shelves. Um, you may be able to tell from my accent that I am American. And so I have um, been watching with particular concern 
the censorship situation in the USA, which is particularly problematic. Um, book challenges have always been part of life in the American library system, but I was shocked to learn the true magnitude of the problem. This graph shows you that in 2022, the number of individual book titles that were challenged was almost double the reported number in 2021. And things seem to be getting worse, so who knows what this graph will look like in a year's time. Um, one thing I like to keep track of is um, which books are most frequently challenged or banned in the US. Um, and this is a list of the top, well, it's usually a top 10 list, but in this case, there were a couple of ties. So it's the top 13 most challenged books in the USA in 2022. And you'll notice if you look at the list that many of these books contain LGBTQIA plus indigenous and or racially diverse themes and characters. And unfortunately, this does seem to be a trend with books that are frequently challenged. So I was looking at um, the top 10 challenge list for 2021 about a year ago. And I was kind of ticking off in my head, like, oh yeah, we've got that one, we've got that one. It turned out that we had seven out of the 10 books just on the shelf in our library. And the few that we didn't own, I think two of them hadn't even been published in Australia yet. So they weren't actually even available. And I started thinking to myself, wow, our students are sitting on like a gold mine of banned books and they don't even know. They have the freedom to just go on the shelf and borrow any of these books any day of the year while some of their parent, their peers in American schools are basically forbidden to access them. So, late um, term three of last year, I was chatting with a colleague of mine at the school who's an English teacher, and um, we were talking about the censorship situation in the US. And we were just saying how disappointed we were with it and how how we found it to be really actually a depressing situation. And we kind of looked at each other and we and and at the same time, we, we almost at the same time we said, let's start a band books club. So we just we had this brainwave. And we uh, our original idea from that first conversation was to start a book club focused on discussing books that have been banned or challenged throughout history for one reason or another. And what we wanted to do was help foster an appreciation of intellectual freedom in Australia, especially compared with um, other countries that face much higher levels of censorship, um, bringing awareness of the types of books that have been banned, um, have been in our banned or challenged, and then to discuss our own views about banning and challenging specific books and ideas. Um, we knew that the kind of books and ideas that we would discuss in this group could potentially be of a sensitive nature. So we were looking to um, mold the group with a certain kind of student. First of all, an age limit, for, so years nine to 12 only. Um, I actually work in the seven to eight, year seven to eight library, but this was limited um, to the older kids. We also plan to invite students that we personally knew who were intellectually and emotionally mature enough to engage with controversial topics. 
And we also wanted to attract other students that we might not be familiar with who show curiosity about the idea of censorship. So I set up for term four last year, um, banned books display in the library. And if I had known I was gonna be doing this presentation, I would have taken a lot more and better photos, but, um, but I didn't. So what we, what we had is there were 31 books on display. Each one was wrapped in brown paper um, with the word banned across the top in red. There was no information about what the actual book's title was, but each book had a list of specific reasons for being banned or challenged. So as an example, um, one of these lists said it was banned for depictions of smoking and drinking, excessive violence and profanity, a focus on gangs and gang fights, and because virtually all the characters are from broken homes. And that book was The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. As another example, um, one was banned for violence, vulgarity, and offensive language, the depiction of burning the Bible, and negative depiction of firemen. And if you guessed Fahrenheit 451, you win the gold star for the day. So what we were hoping is that this would interest students when they saw the banned books display and maybe make them curious, like, oh, so this book was banned for these reasons, what is it? And we had a, a list um, that we kept behind the library desk of, it, like each, each package had a number on the back, which corresponded to the list and told us um, which book each one was. So that if somebody asked, we could then say, oh, well, that one was The Catcher in the Rye. Um, and anyone who did show curiosity about the display or asked a question about it, we gave them a little slip of paper with um, the information about our first meeting um, on like a little tiny square of paper. And we kind of wanted to build this sense of like secrecy and mystery around the group. Um, so we made it um, pretty much by invitation only. We did also deliver invitations to a couple of students that um, fit the criteria that I mentioned earlier. And other than that, there was no advertising the group. So um, we just wanted to keep it kind of small at first. And as I said, maintain that sense of mystery. So at our first meeting, we had nine students attending and the main activity was to unwrap all of those books in the banned books display. Um, this actually generated a lot of discussion and some surprise about the type of books that had been banned and why. And one thing they really liked was um, the books that were on currently on the book list for our English classes. And they were like, oh, Animal Farm was banned. And, and they were kind of excited because they were reading a banned book. And the idea that we had was to invite everyone to borrow one of the books and then read it and report on it at the next meeting. And this is a photo of our first meeting. Um, I should mention at this point that we really had no um, fixed idea about how this group was going to pan out. Like we didn't even know if it would work. We didn't know if anyone would come back the second time. Um, we had a loose idea that we wanted to read and discuss books that had been banned or challenged, but we also wanted it to be driven by the student's interest. So we were kind of open to whatever happened. And um, we really, we, we honestly just didn't really know 
what was going to happen. Well, at our next meeting, um, we talked about the novel American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Um, because when I had been doing my research for the banned books display, I came across the fact that in Australia, uh, this novel is restricted to readers aged 18 plus. And in book shops, the book has to be sold in shrink wrap with an 18 plus sticker. And just show you a couple of photos. This is the copy that I bought at a bookshop. Um, you can see it on the shelf there in the photo on the left. And then you can see it in the shrink wrap and the sticker that says restricted. Um, as far as I'm aware, this is the only novel in Australia that has an 18 plus restriction. There are some books of say photography or manga volumes or light novels that are that are restricted, but this is the only just sort of absolute plain text novel that I've found um, that has this restriction. So after I went and bought the copy in the shrink wrap, I brought it to our next meeting. Let me tell you that, um, let me tell you that when a book is wrapped in shrink wrap with the restricted sticker and you tell a teenage boy that he's not legally allowed to go into a shop and buy it, it suddenly becomes very seductive. <laughs> um, they all were like, well, I've seen the movie. It wasn't that bad. Oh, well, I have that on my bookshelf at home. Um, so there was a, a huge amount of buzz about this book and about, oh, well, if it's, if it's forbidden for me to read it, I better read it. I think that um, we actually got a bunch of kids to read probably the first book they'd read in about five years that way. Um, I'll skip through this, but you can look at the slide later. These are just some of the discussions that discussion questions that we went through in relation to this novel. Um, one thing I'll mention the last point there is when we asked them, well, do you think that the age restriction is is um, appropriate? Actually, most of them after they had read the book thought that it was and I will um, say we did not endorse them buying or reading this book. Um, but a lot of them did and so um, we did discuss it since they had read it. Uh, the second novel that we discussed is one called Into the River by Ted Daw. Um, again, I won't go through this whole thing because it just describes what the book is about, but it's by a New Zealand author and it was briefly um, prohibited from sale to anyone under 14. And this was the first time in New Zealand's history that that restriction had been used. So I ordered a couple of copies of that book and a couple of copies of another book by the same author called Thunder Road. Now, we thought that actually the cover of Thunder Road looked a little more edgy than Into the River, but Thunder Road was never banned. So we brought copies of, of both of these books to the meeting and we said, um, this was our last meeting of term four, and we said, we'll pick one of these to read over the summer and then we'll discuss it in term one. And you, you won't know which is which, but one of these was actually banned in New Zealand. Well, they didn't know at the time that they chose the book. So um, half of them chose the one and half of them chose the other. And then we discussed that at the next meeting. Um, just quickly going through this, another book that we read 
or sorry, that we discussed was of mice and men, which was on our book list for year nine this year. And it actually got a lot of positive feedback from our year nine students, but also there were some students and most of our English teachers who were uncomfortable with like the problems in the book. So the English faculty decided to remove this from the book list for 2024. And when some of our banned bookers um, heard about this, they said, oh, but that's such a great book. It was like the best book I've ever read for English. So we invited the head of English to our meeting um, to answer questions about why they had made the decision to remove the book. And we talked about whether that was censorship and you know, how they perceived that decision. By far the most controversial thing that we've discussed in banned books is manga. So we have a lot of major manga fans, um, it, especially in year seven and eight. And one of the series that we have many volumes of is One Punch Man, which I've always felt like is a pretty innocuous series. It's rated T for teens, 13 plus, and we had, I don't know, volumes one through 18 or something. So this little year seven asked me for the next two volumes in the series, which were 19 and 20. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I ordered those. And then to my shock and horror, that was the image on the back cover of volume 20. And I'm just thinking to myself, I cannot put this in the school library. So I brought the book to our next um, band books meeting to ask them what they thought. And actually it was interesting because most of them said, well, anyone who reads manga is used to that stuff because it's basically part of the culture of manga and it's really not a big deal. And then we, we kind of tried to challenge them by asking some of these questions that you can read through later, but basically saying, is this appropriate to have in a school library? Like, what if some kid takes it home and then, you know, his parents see him reading it and they're, and they're going, where'd you get that from? And he's like, oh, you know, from Miss Peterson library and she recommended it, you know? And, I, and just for me personally, thinking about keeping my job, um, I'm just like, I don't know if this is gonna work very well. So, um, we had many heated I'm gonna have to wind you up, Kelsey. Yeah. Okay. This is my last um slide. So our outcome is we are pleased with what's happened. Um it's turned into much more of a discussion group than sort of a book reading group, but there is some book reading. We have the kids read something over the summer. Um we've got 14 regular, 15 regular attendees, and um the year eights are already sort of excited about joining next year in year nine. So I've just got my email there. If you have any questions or comments, um, thank you. Thanks, Kelsey. That, that's fantastic. It's just such a wonderful idea. I'm sorry to move everybody along. We're going to run out of room, run out of time. Um, we would like to hear from our last speaker. So, um, and uh, Siobhan, I think it's fine if we go a couple of minutes over the six o'clock. Um, our, our final speaker is the wonderful creator, Siobhan Plaza. Uh, she is award-winning, and I'm not going to read the rest of her bio, but I'm going to say she's here to talk to us about her latest book, Meet Me at the Room at the Moon Tree. Welcome, Siobhan. Thank you for being here. 
Right, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm sorry, there's some bit of noise outside. Hopefully, it doesn't bleed through with the um, with, hopefully, you can hear me okay. Um, so, yes, I, I don't have a copy of my book to wave around because I'm on holiday and I couldn't fit it into my luggage. But um, in the Padlet, um, I've put a picture of the, the cover. Have a look. I've got some links underneath there with links to my uh, website so you can look at any other books I've read as, uh, written, written as well. Um, and email for contact if any of you wanted to invite me to the, your schools and also link to the teacher's notes. Um, they've got really extensive teacher's notes that UQP um, organised. So if you were actually using it for any purpose in your school, there's some wonderful resources there for you to use. Um, but I'll just tell you a little bit about how the idea came about. So actually, it was a bit of an accident. Um, I was actually researching an entirely different book that I was supposed to be writing. Um, and it was sort of about a haunted forest. And so I was researching uh, weird and wonderful trees around the world. And I came across a little reference to something called moon trees. And that sparked my interest. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm wondering if anyone knows what a moon tree is because they're real trees. And you want to put it in the chat if you know what a moon tree is. Um, I'll give you like a, a couple of couple of minutes there. At least you can say I do, I do, or something in the in the chat if you you actually have heard of a moon tree. You know what it is because I certainly had never heard of it before I read this article. Do we have any takers? Does anyone know about moon trees? I like to go into um, schools, um, and one of my first questions to the kids is, "What do you think?" A moon tree is, and I get the most wonderful creative ideas about what a moon tree could possibly be. It's just the most fantastic question to ask the kids. Um, so, can you see the chat? Can you see the chat, Siobhan? Yes, I'm having some people have actually read the book and know the answer. And yeah, that's how they know. They know from the what book. A moon tree was. <laughs> um, so, as for those that haven't read it and don't know, a moon trees were part of a experiment that NASA conducted. So, in the Apollo 14 mission to the moon, um, they sent about 400 tree seeds up with them so they could experiment to see what would happen to those trees when they'd sort of um, <coughs> travelled around in space, come back, germinated, and planted around the world, seeing whether having been in zero gravity would affect the way that they grew. And so they planted these all over the place in the White House gardens and, and everywhere. Um, and they didn't really keep great records on this experiment. I don't know why you would go to all this trouble with this experiment and then kind of they lost track of where some of them were and didn't really follow up much with them um, with their growth and stuff. But one exciting thing that didn't make it into the book that's quite cute is that any trees that was sort of offshoots of the original moon trees are called half moon trees, which is really quite a cute little detail. Um, but once I heard about these um, moon trees, I just put aside this book that I was working on and went, I have to write a book about moon trees because that is the most magical, interesting, exciting idea. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about at the time was um, I had three uncles that all had Parkinson's, all from the same family, and they all passed away within a very sort of short period of time. So I was thinking a lot about grief and how we all go through grief in very different ways and how when you're in a family unit, how everyone is experiencing grief in a very different way 
how that can actually make the grief even more difficult because you don't understand how someone else is grieving and they don't understand how you are and they're not grieving the way that you want them to or expect them to that helps the, your, the way that you all want to grieve and that sort of thing. So I knew I wanted to write about grieving within a family unit and how you move on together or how that causes co further conflict um, and that sort of thing. So I sort of combined those two ideas to write this story about this this girl who is grieving her um, recently deceased father and her mother has moved them for a tree change into the Otways Forest, a little uh, town called Forest, um, uh, which is sort of, I sort of grew up down in that area in Victoria. Um, so I wanted to, to set a book there and it's, they've sort of moved there and Karina has it in her head that if she can find a moon tree in this forest that she now lives in, that it will somehow put her family back together again. And it was sort of honor. She, her father was a science teacher and, and was the person who gave her this love of trees and moon trees in particular and all things science. And he he and her together would go had this plan that they're gonna go around the world and visit all of the moon trees. That was their little plan. But obviously he passed away, he couldn't, but before he did, he sort of said, this house that you're moving to, there's definitely a moon tree there. You've got to keep looking for it. And she made a promise that she would look for this moon tree. So she's on that journey. Um, and it's about, you know, I, I won't, for those that haven't read it, so, so, you know, whether she finds the tree or not and what happens beyond that, um, I'll leave it up to, to you to read. Um, and one of the other things that's important to the story and what I was keen to write about was healthy friendships. So often because writers were looking for ways to make life difficult for our characters, that often we write about friendships that are falling apart and unhealthy friendships. And I wanted to really model a very strong, positive, healthy friendship in the story. So Karina meets a, a local kid and they just form this wonderful supportive friendship and Karina uses this metaphor in the, the story that became quite important, the idea of companion planting. Um, so if you know about gardening, you know that some things you plant next to other things because they actually help each other grow even better. Some things, if you plant them next to them, they don't help it. They actually make life really difficult for each other. And she's sort of looking at this new friendship and comparing it to her old friendships that weren't actually that great. And she's kind of thinking, actually, we're like two plants that actually grow really well together and we support each other. That's what a good friendship is. And a bad friendship is just two people that don't actually have the right things to actually work together. It's, it's not really about anyone being a bad person. I think it's just some people work better with other people than they do with, with other people and stuff. So she sort of learns that aspect. And I really wanted to model what that's like, especially um, growing up in a, I grew up in a very small country town and sometimes you just sort of get, you sort of have to become friends with the people that are there in the class with you because that's all that's on offer. Um, this is definitely like pre-internet as well. So I don't know whether that sort of impacts it for, for kids as well these days, but, um, so that was, that was my experience. I think it's nice to have a representation of that in a story as well. That's about if you're struggling with some of your friendships, maybe it's just that these people aren't the right companion plants for you, but you can find your own better companion plant later on at some point. But you know, that, that's sort of a, a nice, um, a nice way to look at things. Um, and I'm mindful of the time. So I'll just do one little thing, which was, I did a lot of school visits for this book when it first came out, my publishers were wonderful and organized a couple of school tours in Brisbane and, and then in Sydney. Um, and one of the things that I found really fascinating was that 
the kids were just so interested in the science aspect of the book. So this, this is a book that uh, when I was at school, I got, I gave up on science really quickly. I really did because I thought, oh, it's boring. It's not for me. I'm an English student. I'm an art student. I'm these, these are my interests. Science is not for me. Um, and it wasn't until later on that I sort of, in my own personal pursuits of, you know, you know, reading and interesting things like that, that I learned how fascinating science is. And there's so many different aspects of it that are so interesting. Um, and so I'd always wanted to write a book that really put someone who's fascinated by science and with a lot of scientific facts and a lot of scientific theory um, underpinning it. Um, and I think a lot of writers, we don't do that sort of thing because we are sort of arty English based people ourselves. And so we tend not to delve into maths and sciences and stuff for our characters. You'll notice a lot of um, characters, I think they're often, they're budding writers or they're, you know, they're artistic in some way. That's quite a, a common thing. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself, absolutely, of, of always making my characters have interests that are similar to mine. So I really did want to test myself and push myself out of that by having a character that was really fascinated by science. And, um, and so in all of my school visits, it was great to be able to talk through all these scientific theories that the main character comes up with and all these discoveries she makes um, about the natural world and all these you know, different scientific theories that comes up at the moon train stuff and the kids were so into it and I was just thought that that's a really interesting little tidbit that I've learned that I think that yeah that we're sort of when it comes to books and stuff we could be pushing the science and that side of things in our in our content and stuff a little bit more so I don't know whether as, as librarians you experience whether you've got kids walking up to you saying you've got a book about this got a book about this and stuff that you know that um well i think sort of sciencey topics might be on the list of things that we're not really covering um but this book now does and I, and I enjoyed it so much myself that i wanted to write more more books um that sort of you know look at things from a scientific standpoint especially because this was fun that i sort of looked at the idea of science and magic and the way that those two sort of actually correspond um, and that's that science is just figuring out how magic actually works. So the world is full of these magical, interesting, unique, bizarre things. And all science is just looking at the game. How does that happen? How does that work? And it's just about working out how these wonderful magical things occur. And that's, that's Karina's mindset. That's what she does that. What is a moon tree? How does it work? That's where she's thinking. And so she comes up with these scientific theories of how a moon tree actually works and the magic behind the moon tree and then what it can do to fix her family. Um, so that is the book. Um, I don't think there were any questions in the chat that I have to answer, um, but I do have my email address in the Padlet. If you do have something that you want to contact me about, um, I'm more than happy to to answer answer any questions or any follow up. And yeah, I am based in Victoria, so if you do want me to visit your school, I'm more than happy to. Just shoot me an email. Thanks, Siobhan. It looks like from the chat, all you're getting is a lot of love. No questions. <laughs> Lots of love. And we really do appreciate you joining us here to tell us about what sounds like a truly beautiful book. Someone suggested it'll fit in expertly with next year's book week theme of reading is magic. So you probably need to also write some more, I think, to go with it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I am so sorry that we had to hurry you along a little, okay. but it was great to hear about it. And I, we really appreciate you. And you, oh, there's some, there's more love happening in the chat. So perhaps have a look at that. 
Um, I'm going to wind everything up, and we do appreciate, Siobhan, you joining us um, when you're obviously on a holiday. I'm sorry okay. about that. I mean, Noosa, it's great, beautiful. Oh, okay. Well, you enjoy the warm because it's grey and rainy down here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you, everybody. Um, thank you to all of our wonderful guests. Um, thank you for supporting SLAB's professional learning program, and in particular, the Reading Forum series. We hope you can join us again in 2024. I will be in touch in regards to feedback about the event and with a link to the recording and the podcast that will all come to you in an email. And I do hope to see you all again soon, either online or in person, and hopefully many of you at the November 24th conference, which has a fantastic reading focus. So thanks, everybody. Enjoy your afternoon and the rest of your evening. Wonderful session. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Susan. Sorry if I went over. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was it was just the whole afternoon. A lot, a lot to pack in. It was a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. <laughs> you were fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.